everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for this episode 104. It's a very special episode because we have the fantasy and science fiction author Christine Amsden with us. We're especially excited to have Christine join us because she is part of our community of authors who have visual impairment. She's also very active in social media marketing, and we're going to be talking to her about these topics as well about her exciting books of fantasy and science fiction. So put on your favorite space helmet and buckle up, buttercup, because it's time to join your bibliophile friends at Writing Works Wonders. I'm Dr. Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Where in the Yay. world are you, Cheryl? Hey, Kathy, I'm calling you from the beach. It's on, I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but I'm not on the beach. That would have been a little too windy on my mic. But, <laughs> so I'm in one of the rooms in our resort. We are going to wait and take responses to the prompt at the end for the sake of the interview. So get ready to share with us at the end and I'll turn it back over to you, Kathy. Great. And we want to be sure that folks who are in Zoom and also in Clubhouse, as you're listening to the interview, think about questions you want to ask Christine, because we will have a question and answer session after Cheryl and I do some interview with Christine. Christine Amston is an author of nine award-winning fantasy and science fiction novels, including the Cassie Scott series, which includes a twist of the paranormal. She believes that and knows that speculative fiction is fun, magical, and imaginative. But Christine also believes that great speculative fiction is about real people dealing with themselves in extraordinary situations. She writes primarily about real people. And in this way, she tries to make science fiction and fantasy more meaningful for everyone. In addition to writing, Christine is a freelance editor and political activist. Disability advocacy is of particular interest to her since she has a rare genetic eye condition called Stargardt macular degeneration and has been legally blind since the age of 18. In her free time, she enjoys board games and a good cup of tea. She lives in Kansas City along with her husband and her two children. She's active in social media, and you can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and also Goodreads. Her website is christineamston.com, and you can not only learn about her work there, but also sign up for her newsletter there. So on with the show, and over to you, Cheryl. Thank you. Hi, Christine. We're so glad you're here with us today. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off with, would you please spell your name for everyone along with your website? And everyone, we will also repeat this at the end. Absolutely. So my name is Christine Amsden, and that is C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And the last name, I'm going to give you some pronunciation guides. It's A-M as in Mary. S as in Sam, D as in Denver, E, N as in Nancy. And is that oh, your website? Yeah, mm -hmm. website is christineamsden.com. Thank you. As Kathy mentioned, you write science fiction and fantasy along with some paranormal. What attracted you to this genre? And where did that desire to write in this genre come from? I'm going to give you probably a longer answer than you expected to this question, because I kept thinking about it going, 
Yes, there was a lot of influential fantasy and science mm -hmm. fiction that I read growing Go for up. It. <laughs> um, some of my well, and some of my favorite was *A Wrinkle in Time* by Madeline Alingle. Mm. I read that so much; the front cover fell off, the back cover fell off. Some of the pages were like <laughs> shoved back in. Uh, I loved *The Chronicles of Narnia*. As I was growing older, I started enjoying Mercedes Lackey, but. I also, I've always also read a lot of other things. I, I grew up on Encyclopedia Brown and the Babysitter's Club and Judy Bloom. I have to mention mm -hmm. her since she just had her movie out, which she says is better than the book. So I've got to check it out. I like mystery and, and um, suspense thrillers. And oh, when I was 15, I got into my mom's super secret stash of romance novels in the basement that I wasn't supposed to know about. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I fell in love with authors like uh, Jude Devereaux and Linda Howard, who I continue to love to this day. As I became a writer, I really struggled with being pinned into a specific genre. And my first novel, which is Touch of Fate, a paranormal mystery, was written out of a mystery writer's class. My second, The Immortality Virus, is definitely science fiction. And then I found my sweet spot in the Cassie Scott series, which is urban fantasy. For those who don't know it, I'll give you a brief description. Urban fantasy is modern day or contemporary fantasy so it has magic it also has a mystery and it usually has romance so it's sort of that sweet spot of everything I love and most importantly there's a lot of room for character development what I really love no matter what genre it's in is a good character story and I don't care what you write if you can make me love your character I will love your book thank you can you give us a general idea about the series and Cassie Scott. Absolutely. Cassie Scott is the only non-magical member of a magical family. Um, this is, um, so I'm going to just kind of take a step back here and, um, and tell you that one of the reasons I love writing fantasy and science fiction is because it gives me a way to write abstractly about problems that I face so I can handle them safely. So when I was writing this series, I was still dealing with, and I know it was a, it was more than a decade later, but I was still struggling to deal with the, the vision loss that I had had since I was a teenager. And to me, Cassie Scott not having magical powers in a magical world was sort of the analogy to me not having vision in a sighting world, sighted world. And um, so this is a character, though, uh, a lot of people have connected to her just because she's got this, um, in this natural insecurity. The first line is, my parents think the longer the name, the more powerful the sorcerer. So they named me Cassandra Morgan Ursula Margaret Scott. You can call me Cassie. And I think just in that very first piece, I'm trying to, to show you who she is and, and what is her journey is going to be, her journey of self-acceptance over four books. Um, each book, by the way, does contain a mystery that's self-contained. And then there's the romance and character arc that, that kind of expands over the series. Excellent. Thank you. Kathy? Christine, I've been so much enjoying the Cassie Scott series and really enjoy this character. And the piece, I'm sorry to say, but I did not catch that piece. I'm a little bit stunned about the analogy between the sight loss and her being the only person without magic in the magical family and the sight loss in a sighted family. And it's like, duh, oh, so I really appreciate that insight now. Now I got to go back and reread the first book <laughs> and start over. <laughs> but it's I okay. That... It means what it means to you, and that's fine. And you know, I don't read a lot of fantasy and science fiction that have magic in them, uh -huh. and so this has been a little stretch for me and the paranormal part. So this is a little different, but I'm enjoying it because it's a mixture. So if folks are not used to paranormal. Don't be alarmed. This is a blend. And I'm really enjoying these this series. I'm going to continue with them. The stories really capture my interest. And what I also enjoy is I enjoy a story that moves along. And yours really move. And, you know, there's so much that goes into that. But I think part of it has to do with how we, as writers, develop the book. And part of that is character development. And part of that is plot development. Mm -hmm. 
what are you doing as a writer in those areas when you're drafting your books? Okay, so first of all, every book is different. Every book is a journey. And I, I'm struggling to think exactly what I did before the Cassie Scott series um, to get her up and running. I, I do know that this story took me several dra uh, multiple drafts to get right. And I've been learning more recently. Uh, I've been refining my process because what I finally have realized and probably should have realized it sooner is that character and plot are the same thing because I always thought of myself as a character author, but I struggled with plot. And now that I've kind of had this epiphany that, um, that really they're, they're kind of the same thing um, it has helped me with my plotting and is not so much, I, I think, I mean, it's made my books better, but it's also just made them easier to write with fewer revisions because I'm thinking about them both together from the start. And so when I go back to that first Cassie Scott novel, I, I knew what I needed, but I had to get there draft, you know, through multiple drafts mm -hmm. as opposed to from the get go. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm going to throw out a, a book that I'm going to recommend on this because I thought it has been very helpful. It is called Story Genius by Lisa Cron. It is not for science fiction and fantasy. As a matter of fact, I had struggled to fit science fiction and fantasy into it. It is about characters and plot. And she does a really magnificent job of, of showing you how to dig through your character's backstory to find the specific things you need to characterize them and to tie that to a compelling uh, plot line. I think it's it's wonderful. And, and I think one of the things, because when I started writing Cassie Scott, oh my goodness, I knew everything. I have so many notes, so many mm. notes, but most of it doesn't make its way into the book. And I'm learning efficiency in these more recent years, which is that you don't need to know everything about your character. You need to know the important things about your character, the things that are going to intersect with your plot and, and make a difference. And a lot of the other stuff comes as you write. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, it is important that they have hobbies and friends and all that stuff, but you'll suddenly be writing along and realize, okay, um, they need to have a little bit more um, breath. Um, and then you'll reach for something. And it's often going to be something in my life. My characters tend to like tea and yoga and <laughs> things like that. I think I'm winding down to the end of that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can identify totally with what you're saying. And I think you also shared a good perspective of how we as authors develop over time and with our works, that our process changes over time. We develop insight about our process and sometimes we don't know exactly how to get where we need to but we know we're not there yet so we keep doing those drafts mm -hmm. until we develop a better process and that seems to be where you're headed is to developing that more efficient process yes I think that's a very good way of putting it okay I very much identify too with fleshing out that character a great deal but the reader doesn't need to know all of it. We need to know it as the author in order to understand that character. And that might be a little foreign to our readers who are on the call and listening to the podcast, that the authors have these full-blown characters that you as the readers don't know all the details about. But we need to know them as full-blown people, characters, in order to pre present them to you. That's where the future stories come from and the backstory, et cetera. It's a very exciting phenomenon to realize that as authors. Do your characters sometimes surprise you? Oh, yes. I can't, I, I can't, this is why I can't write to an outline, actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> because my characters are always surprising me. Uh, I do plan, I do quite a bit of planning, but nothing that is as rigid as an outline because I won't get five scenes into a book before I realize that I thought we needed to turn left and we need to turn right. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, I have a book in my trunk right now where I was determined that I was going to write from an outline because I thought this would be the more efficient process. And I, um, and I had a friend who was in my ear saying, no, 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 you just have to write what it says in the outline. It doesn't matter because, you know, this is about writing his books as quickly as you can for your career and moving on. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I did write that book quickly. I will give her that much. And then I tossed it in the garbage and I've never seen it since. Because my, <laughs> my characters died in that book. Mm, they died. It didn't and, work for you. 
it's in, and I sent it to a friend of mine who's been critiquing my books for, for years and she loves all my stuff. And so her response was, was particularly um, uh, beneficial. She said, Christine, I cannot believe I'm going to say this to you of all people, but I couldn't connect to the characters. And I'm like, well, mm. we're done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. You, you've got to find what works for you. You definitely do. Mm-hmm. When somebody reads your series, they realize a, a great deal goes into developing this world that your characters live in. And mm-hmm. we call this world building. How do you go about that? And how do you keep track of it? You know, I mean, this is a big part of fantasy and science fiction. Now, in your urban fantasy, it might not be as complex but it still has a lot of different pieces, keeping track of the town and all the different people in it and what you've said about vehicles and et cetera, et cetera, you know, and the police force, et cetera. But how do you keep track of the world building that you're doing? So the, the first general piece I'm going to say about world building is that in it, much like character building, there's a, a little bit at the top, like an iceberg. Think of it an iceberg. There's only part of it at the top that floats. And that's what goes in the story. And then it floats on, you know, like all of this other information, some of which you need to know, and some of which you only need to hint at. Really, world building, I believe, I've come to believe, is an illusion. You are putting in enough carefully crafted details so that the reader believes that there is a bigger world behind them. Now, that's not to say I don't have a lot of details to keep track of. And I've got files where I've got names. I know all the family. I do know all the families in town and I know what their uh, major area of magic is. I I know every single one of Cassie's um, brothers and sisters, including, and they all have three middle names and I know all of them. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so I've written that stuff down, but a lot of that unfolds as you're writing. And so I think as with any other, oh, and I've lost the term for it. Anyone who's writing anything needs to have a, um, a sheet or a, or a table or something to keep track of details from mm-hmm. characters appearance to the cars that they drive to, you know, those, those little things so that they don't slip in the, a style. A, no, it's not a style sheet. I'm I really, there is inventory. A name inventory. No, that's not quite it either. I've, I've just, mm-hmm. uh, I've just lost the term, but so you keep track of it. Now I, I like um, my world building to, to, to have kind of a core concept or principle that everything else can kind of stem off from. In the Cassie Scott series, because she doesn't have magic, you don't get into it a lot in depth. She is seeing it as an outsider. Uh, in one of the spinoffs, Madison Song, where I'm in a, a magician's point of view, I get a, a, a lot more um, into the kind of theory that I had been, you know, kind of bubbling with excitement to share with people because I believe that there's a core of belief in magic. So one, uh, so, so there's not like magic words. There are magic words, but they're only magic because you believe that they are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that core of belief is what fuels the magic in the Cassie Scott. Now you do actually have to have some magic in your blood. And, and to that extent, I think it's, it's but kind that of genetic. Theme, that theme, I hear that theme in the Cassie Scott series about belief belief. yeah i hear that theme uh and and it's probably one of my career themes too i think as authors we sometimes do because i'm i'm currently planning a a young adult novel set in a dream realm and the core principle of walking through your dreams and and interacting with other people in your dreams it's all about belief it is a whole world that is nothing Mm -hmm. but belief so i'm going to um you know once again use that um in a slightly different way to to help the characters you know come to terms with with truths excellent Mm -hmm. excellent yeah i think world building you can sketch it out but it continues like you said it kind of develops as you're writing and then you throw that i would call it into an inventory where you're tracking it so that you can be consistent throughout your Mm -hmm. books and be able to recall those same characteristics again in the future and use them. Yeah, it continues to grow organically for you. Creating characters that our readers will love and connect with is 
really important. And you know that you, you say that in your bio, but how do you do that with fantasy? You know, you're in a fantastical world, but you're, you're creating characters we connect with. What's the magic? The, the magic is that you create a character that is, that is relatable, that has at least one strong aspect that ties them to reality into kind of the known world of your audience. And you can do this. I have seen gifted authors do this with robots. I'm, 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 I'll tell you the truth. I am generally not a huge fan of stories about robots, except every so often it's like, oh, no, I can totally connect to that robot. Oh, poor robot. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to have one thing that is real. There has to be something real in your fantasy or it falls apart. We, we don't want to just watch your um, your lucid dreams. In a nutshell, that, that's great advice. So you have something that was just published this week. You had two things that were published online, I believe. And one of them you were going to share with us, the one about yoga. Yes, I, I thought this one would be fun to read. Uh, mm -hmm. It is available on Intrepidus Inc. Uh, they, po the, uh, they posted it on Wednesday, but uh, it is not quite 600 words and um, they don't have, they're not currently audio capable. So even though you could read it with a screen reader, the screen reader won't uh, inflect it the way I will <laughs> because mm -hmm. I do yoga and I love yoga. So Yoga for Forgiveness is the name of the story. And here we go. Greetings, yogis, and welcome to Yoga for Forgiveness. As you arrive on the mat, try to find a comfortable cross-legged seated position. If you can't cross your legs or have too many legs, find a seated position that works in your body. There is no judgment in yoga. It's about finding what works and having the curiosity to explore your boundaries. Let's close our eyes and set an intention to let go of hurt feelings and grudges. Remember, forgiveness is something we do for ourselves. It has nothing to do with those who wronged us. If someone destroyed your professional reputation because you were the only one willing or able to see the truth, if you were blackballed from any career in the military or law enforcement, that's okay. Life is change. Forgiveness is peace. Breathe in love, breathe out hostility, breathe in acceptance, breathe out the embarrassment you felt when the alien you'd been tracking for weeks convinced your bosses and a thousand colleagues that you'd actually been tracking a kid in full body paint. Life is change, forgiveness is peace. When you're ready, roll forward onto hands and knees, assuming you have hands or knees. Breathe in, arch your backs, breathe out, round your back. Go at your own pace. If your pace is much faster or slower than mine, remember, we record these sessions, which can be replayed at any speed. Let's move into down dog, then plank, through your vinyasa of choice, and back into down dog. Remember to breathe, and remember our intention. Life is change. Forgiveness is peace. You only hurt yourself when you allow grudges to send you into a downward spiral, when you get lost in drugs or alcohol and accidentally accuse your old bosses of being aliens in disguise at gunpoint. Let that go. Let it all go. Step or jump to the front of the mat, arriving in a forward fold. You can bend your knees, if you have knees, and let your arms dangle, half lift, flat back, unless you've got a hump, then back into your forward fold. Inversions improve circulation and increase energy, but remember that if you're pregnant, budding, or fragmenting, you should avoid poses that put your head below your heart or hearts. Rise to standing, hands together in prayer position. If you have more than two arms, either go into many layered prayer pose or half prayer, half exaltation with additional arms flung wide. Now breathe and remember our intention. Life is change. Forgiveness is peace. Even if you spent six months inside a mental hospital because you knew of a threat to mankind that no one else believed, that's okay. You can choose resentment, or you can embrace the new mindfulness tools you learned there. 
Let's move into our peak pose, camel, a strong heart opener. If you don't have knees, do this from standing or flying. Otherwise, come to kneeling, toes tucked under, hearts shining forward as you lean backward and maybe, maybe find your ankle. Oh, and if you're an ooze, sorry, I didn't see you there. You'll be better off coming to our next session for invertebrates. And release, release all your tension and hostility. Only when you let go of old grudges will you be truly open to new opportunities, because you never know when you'll be able to infiltrate a secret enclave of aliens and take videos depicting them moving through poses no human can match. After all, life is change and forgiveness is peace. The end. Fabulous. And I have to tell you, your reading adds a great deal to it. Your oh, reading you. adds a great deal. Yes. 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 Really <laughs> great. And the other thing I was going to ask when you guys, when you were talking earlier about a spreadsheet or some people call it storyboards or character boards, is that kind of what you were talking about uh, separating out your characters and families? Yes. And I've used a lot mm -hmm. of strategies. Um, most recently I did finally get Scrivener. I, I don't know mm -hmm. why I, didn't do that for years except that it doesn't work as well on Linux's other <laughs> operating systems mm -hmm. but I think Scrivener uh, helps you keep track of all that pretty well in their little folders uh, the only problem with Scrivener that I have is it was also difficult to use as a visual impairment I really have to use mm -hmm. my zoom features to see mm -hmm. some of what's in there but that can be true of um, really any file system thank so. you Christine another question that we have for you is what would be your take on being an author who who's legally blind or low vision? How has that impacted you as an author? How have you dealt with that? How have you overcome challenges? What, what would you say in a nutshell about that? <laughs> uh, well, technology has certainly made this more accessible than it than it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, I, str I struggled to, to think how I might have done this if I still had to use a typewriter or something like that. I, you know, everything's large print. I have a screen magnifier. I use screen readers. I type in like 36 point font because I am very fussy about errors. I, I do editing too, by the way, in that font size um, and using the screen reader. I do both at the same time. Uh, so that's in the writing process itself. That's what I do. What my bigger struggle has been, uh, and I've been trying to, to work through this recently, networking and social element of it. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, I went to um, wor the World Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention in Chicago last September. I, I made the decision to go alone without my husband, which I think was probably my biggest mistake. But here I am, and I'm just like... How am I going to meet people? I, I don't, I can't see anybody. I can't see their faces. I can't see their badges. Um, I was in some panels um, and that, that helped. I'm still working through kind of that, um, how to, you know, approach and connect with people when you don't have a lot of the visual cues as to their identity, as to their mood, as to whether or not they would be receptive to a conversation. You know, if, if you guys want to do a show on that. <laughs> yeah, I have found that I need to have someone with me who has that a personality, who's going to get out there and say, this is Cheryl, or go up and bring me to the place I need to be. So many times I've had people with me and the primary purpose is for me to network and meet people and then they don't do it. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a learning process learn and, and having a few people because we can't just depend on one person, but having a few people and Absolutely. conferences, when I was cited, you know, when I was an author, when I was cited as well, and fully cited, conferences are a major opportunity for new connections and relationships and networking. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're right on point. I think another strategy is that we've got to utilize the electronic platforms and any connections that we make, like through a program like this. Build on those, do phone calls, follow up, build relationships and, and network uh, via electronics with the people that we do know, you know, that we do get to know more than maybe sighted people do that can depend on the face to face. 
we might have to up our game on on those things that that sighted people don't have to. So we have to use different ones. So I think maybe a combination of those two would be good places to start. And same for book signings, having someone cited with us for book signings, especially if there's multiple authors, because sometimes people may not realize you're the author. And I've had that happen. And my friend will say, this is the author. This is Cheryl. That has been very, very helpful as well. (laughs) Chanel, any hands? Yes. Let's Mm -hmm. go to Carol Mackey. Thank you. Thanks. This is so interesting. A a non-techie person sitting here, but um, I I wanted to ask Christine about your process of writing. I always ask that question because I love to hear how do you write every day? Do you write at 10 o'clock every morning? Do you write for three hours? Do you write a thousand words? How do you get that the ink, the ink to the paper, so to speak? Um, that is always a, a good question. And I will say that uh, the process is different for every book. For some reason, I emotionally mm-hmm. connect with each book a little bit differently. Uh, for for example, um, the, the last book I wrote, it was... Uh, every day 1500 words and and that and that was the kind of energy i needed to get through um through that one it's a it's a new one that i don't have published that i'm still shopping the the one i'm working on right now i am i've just started and i've found that i am in i have enjoyed um the recent time i took off to write short stories and i don't want to give that up so i am writing four days a week and giving myself the fifth day to play in the short story world sort of as a as a rest and recoup i don't work weekends unless it's for business so like a convention i have Mm -hmm. um, teenagers um, still in high school and i so i use the weekends for family time and this is interesting that you asked because this last week on my um, on my other writers forum I was asking about, um, you know, feeling, starting to feel burnt out and taking time off. And we had a lively discussion that, that kind of uh, culminated with the, when an HR guy came on and said, you know, when we work for ourselves, we just never quit, but you should have a written plan. And I just kind of had an epiphany. And so literally yesterday afternoon, I wrote myself a PTO and sick day plan. <laughs> <laughs> I get comped for any weekend days I work. I, you know, I get, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I've got 10 sick days and 20, uh, 20 paid time off days and holidays. I'm, it's great. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to trying this new model. (laughs) I think it's going to be fantastic. It's, it's kind of getting me more and more. I think just, this is a business. I'm running a business and I've got to take care of my employees. Who is me? I love it. I love it. I just, just a quick follow-up on that, and I've I've found the same. I write poet poetry. That one big thing, and you, it's kind of the same thing as you're saying, is it's accountability, and whether it's to that schedule that you have developed, or whether it's to other people. But I've got to have accountability, or it doesn't happen. It I just agree. Doesn't happen. I agree. Thank you. And Jane. Many years ago, I went to two. Romance Writers of America conferences. Mm -hmm. One was in New York. And I thought, I can do this. You know, I have family who live in New York. I know how to trot around and troop around and meet people. But it was daunting. Mm -hmm. And I dropped out. I, I went back over to mom's in utter frustration and disillusionment and disappointment. The next time I went was very different. I called ahead. I spoke to the people at Romance Writers of America. I found out who was going to be there, where they were going to be, who I should talk to when I got there. And even then it was frustrating because I said, well, we don't have anybody. I said, yes, we do. I called ahead and I was guaranteed that someone, since I was there by myself, would escort me between writers. And there were, there were many writers there many of whom I've read or know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, you've got to work. You've got to work really hard Mm -hmm. and make it look like it came naturally to you. Yes. (laughs) Or have somebody with you. And I appreciated the person who said, yes, they are there to escort you and assist you. They are not there to talk for you when you're standing in front of 
Nora Roberts or Dana Stabenow or whoever it is, do they just fade back or do they go do something else for 20 minutes? Those are all comfort level details that are important for you Mm -hmm. to have. And then you get to ask that assistant, so what did they look like? What were they wearing? La, la, la. And off you go. But it's hard work. And I back you up in doing it better and better. My strongest affirmation and, and challenge is talk to the organization who's sponsoring the conference mm-hmm. and make sure that you don't hang up when they say, well, could I have, you know, leave, do you want to leave your name and number? No, I'd be glad to hold. Even if you hold all the live long day, you've <laughs> got to make that direct contact. You really do. Anyway, that's it. And I was glad to hear a little bit of the pre- the conversation coming up to this point. I wish uh, I'd heard it all. Thank you. And I will remember um, tenacity. That's, uh, that's yes. what it takes. You need, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Next, we have Carla Hayes. Hello. I'm really enjoying this session. And um, I have a comment and a question. First of all, I loved your reading. Oh, thank and you. I, I love that you practiced what you preached, even though it was, you know, there, there was non-reality in there. You made it relatable to everyone who is in reality. It, it was um, grounded and you made um, made it very relatable. So that made it very powerful. Um, the, the questions that I, I had is, do, do you have um, visually impaired characters in your books? And are your books available through NLS, Bookshare, or other audio, audio formats at this point? Uh, excellent questions. And so uh, I'm going to start with the availability. They all, my, my Cassie Scott series is available on Audible. I have not been able, though I've asked repeatedly over the years, um, I have not been able to get them available through the NLS Talking Book Service. I'm not sure why that is or if there's some process that somebody knows that I don't. But um, they are available on Audible all seven books in the series. Uh, To the other question about having blind or visually impaired characters, I'm working on it. The story I'm writing at this very moment um, is, it's my first young adult story, and it's also going to feature a a young woman who gets Stargardt's macular degeneration (laughs) and has to deal with that. So it's a little autobiographical. It's been a long time coming. I think it's been hard to write. And the Cassie Scott series sort of helped me get there by letting me abstract it first. Uh, And I've been writing visually impaired characters in some of my short fiction, too. I'm trying to think if any of those stories have actually um, come out. But I am working on writing the visually impaired characters into my books and making that more commonplace. I don't always want to do it because I think I identify as a lot of different things. And I, I don't, I don't want to just pigeonhole myself into this one identity, but it is important to me. And I'm, I'm really glad that I finally feel like I can write this story. Next up, we have Starry. Hello. Hi. First, I want to say fantastic short story. I really loved how it's talking about forgiveness through these yoga poses and you can tell that the the uh the yogi who's giving the instructions has done all of that stuff like gotten drunk and accused their boss of being an alien at gunpoint <laughs> and then use that moment to infiltrate this base where they are taking video of all of these aliens doing all these poses. It's really, it's really great because you can read between the lines and see that there's a story within that these, this yoga routine. So I really love that. My question is, have you ever tried any of these programs using a screen reader of some sort? Because I'm always looking for a program to write with other than Microsoft Word, which is great. But, you know, I'd like a more specialized program, but usually I can't find one that works with the screen reader. Oh, okay. I have a hack. 
so I write in Scrivener and I write in, in um, OpenOffice, which is essentially the same thing as Word, but I use a Linux operating system and Orca is awful. Like, like I, I've tried it and every time I turn it on for even a minute, it's like, ah, oh, turn it off, turn it off. I use Chrome, screen, I use a read aloud in Google Chrome. And when I want my work re read aloud, I copy and paste what I want read into a Google Doc and have the Chrome read aloud person read it to me while I follow along in my document because I like the voices there better. So I have a hack. Uh, but that doesn't deal with things like Scrivener when you want to organize your project, but you can't really use the no. program. Because... No, it doesn't. And, and depending upon the degree of visual impairment, it does the menu systems and everything. I'm telling you um, to see the menus and things on these, I am zooming in 1600 time, you know, but, and, and, I, and, I, and I think if you've got even, um, you know, worse vision loss or, or, or more profound vision loss, the tools are sad, sad. They're sad. I applaud your determination because <laughs> I, I couldn't do that with a magnifier zooming in like that on all these Well, videos. and you're scrolling all around your screen sometimes. Ooh. I am like, this whole thing is locked. Is there a pop-up someplace? <laughs> We've talked about how on some of the other shows about organizing our writing mm -hmm. and how we use Word docs and Google docs, etc., to do tracking of character development mm -hmm. and world building and et cetera, et cetera, instead of trying to navigate Scrivener and how we organize our work in that. A couple episodes back there, we talked about this several different times, Starry, okay. you'd be able to find that on the podcast and on the website using notes has been very yeah, helpful using too, notes and because i can go grab yeah. one of them really quick um and and i know it takes time but i i want to encourage everybody anytime it doesn't mean it's going to change right away but contact you know use that contact form and 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 send an email about the accessibility that it's not accessible you know, there's still issues with some of the people who said, yes, 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 we're working on that or or let us know or would you work with us on that? And it's still not working as it should be or could be. So um, I'm I uh, maybe have a standard letter and then you can always change it around for any time you mm -hmm. go somewhere and it's not accessible. Because we want to use good. these tools. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I want to slip in another question here, Chanel. We know, based on conversation on other episodes with you, Christine, when you've been here with us as a participant, that you're involved in social media. Yeah. How do you balance your work and involvement in social media, participation in social media with your writing schedule? Do you have a system to that? Is it haphazard? Is there a guideline you use? Okay, so as with everything, this has been a learning process because mm -hmm. what I found in the past is that I can get lost in social media and lose days. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned more recently, and I took, um, I took a year off of Facebook. I took a year off of Facebook and I went back and I was like, hey, nothing's different. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing's changed and I think that sort of was a real wake-up call for me because you don't have to be on social media all the time in order to do social media you just you just don't you can and I would encourage people to set a timer give yourself and you can decide what the right amount of time is 30 minutes would be fine some of the best uses of social media it's is to just be available there. A lot of people think the thing that you need to be doing with social media is shouting all the time. And they're constantly post, 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 trying to be heard over this cacophony. And that's what I learned was not working in at all. There are a few things that people want to see from me. There's a few things that people want to know. I tell them my new releases. I, I share some important news. And, and otherwise, I try to be available on social media, and I try to support my friends and fellow authors on social media uh, when I have a chance. And I don't let it take too much of my time anymore. I won't check Facebook and Twitter more than once a day. 
I, I, if I've, if I've checked it already this morning and I think I did actually, then I'm done. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Chanel? Oh, Musi, you may unmute. I love this speculative fiction. No, speculative what? Um, speculative fiction. You were right. Okay, good. And I love how you say um, to identify with a character, you just need really one thing. And it's nice if you have more than one thing that you, you identify with them. You know, you empathize with them. Sure. I love that. And uh, I think you're brilliant. Oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Don't you? But my question is actual book, because I have someone who reads to me. And how can I get the actual book, Christine? Oh, uh, there. Okay, I, I should mention there are also print and ebook <laughs> copies, and they yeah. are widely available. Uh -huh. This this was launched wide, is what we call it. So that means you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and a lot of online retailers that I am not familiar with, and okay. you can order a print copy and you can okay. order an ebook copy. And if you put my name, Christine Amsden, A M S D E N, in right. in there, uh, uh -huh. there aren't a lot of people with that name. <laughs> Uh -huh. Right. Um, and do you put weather into your uh, um, work? You know, what actual nature and weather? Oh, uh, I actually do uh, like to uh, to make note of the weather conditions. Uh, I, I just don't know that it's a constant thing, but I think weather... Uh, okay, so I'm gonna. I got a. So this 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 spun me into a story I thought about. Um, I had an editor I was working with once who was like, "You need to describe more details. I feel like I'm in the clouds." Right. And I had a few people who say the same thing, and I'm like, "I I can't see those details. I I'd exactly. love to put them in the book, but I can't see them." Uh -huh. But I try to connect with the things that I can feel and smell and taste, and weather Good. is for sure one of those things. Uh -huh. And and I put some visual details in there too. I'm sometimes um, because I'm partially sighted. When I'm trying to describe something, I will Google a picture of it and zoom in on it really big. Oh, clever girl. Okay. To to help me figure that out. But I'm more uh -huh. comfortable describing those other things. So uh -huh. yes, there will be some things like weather in my stories. Okay, I'm going to get your book and have somebody read it. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Christine, what would you have as recommendation for emergent, new, experienced authors? What do you want to say to them? But I think the, the most important thing is write what you love and write because you love it. And try not to lose sight of the fact that you need to be having fun. The, the publishing world is so hit and miss, even under the best of situations. You've just got to approach it playfully because at the end of the day, you know, whether or not it was a, it was a, a joyful experience, I think will be the most important thing. I've noticed that some of your books are with Twilight Publishing. Uh, Twilight Times Books is has actually published all of my um, books, and the reason there's been a gap is that they've uh, the 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 sole proprietor has is retiring, and I'm trying to find a new publisher. Uh -huh. For uh, I've got um, three books right now that I'm I'm kind of shopping around, trying to find a a, a new publisher, and I might end up self publishing um, pretty soon, but I haven't quite worked myself up to that. <laughs> Wanted to ask about that. That's difficult. Uh, press retires. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. That just happened recently with the person who printed all of my print books because mm -hmm. a lot, most of my children's books were always sold, quote, in the back of the room, if you want to call it, in person. And all of a sudden, that person, that they're no longer, it was a family business in Colorado and they're no longer doing it. And I had great prices, great products. And it's not the same when you when you're printing on demand, those prices are a lot higher. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, right. So I mean, mm -hmm. thank goodness for that. I don't, you don't have to have a big inventory. However, for me, it was always beneficial having an inventory. So yeah, there's, we just, we keep plugging along, right? That's exactly. <laughs> Publishing industries changed a lot. How many years do you think you've been in the publishing world, Christine? I didn't notice oh, um, when I, your first book started. My my first book came out in 2005. I usually consider my, the start of my being a professional author as summer of 2003 when I attended a bi-audition boot camp with notable uh, science fiction writer Orson Scott Card. Um, oh, Yes. And yes. uh, he wrote of, a great book on writing science fiction. He did. Well. And actually, he's got a great book on characters and point of view. 
Yes, he does. Yes. Well, yep. so I think I've been doing this 20 years. Great. So you've seen a lot of changes in uh, the publishing world in those 20 years, a, mm -hmm. a real time slice. The world mm -hmm. has changed a lot. It, it is. Uh, sometimes I, I, I've actually gotten to a point in my career where I, I'm starting to feel old. And I look at these, you know, these new writers who who don't have the, the perspective to see how we got here. Yeah. And it's just kind of interesting. Like, you know, I I know how we got here. I know that when I first started <laughs> doing this 20 years ago, it was hard being a woman in science fiction and fantasy. Mm -hmm. a oh, lot yeah. Of, a lot mm -hmm. of other women were using their initials and yeah. I resisted doing that. I don't know if that was a good idea or not, but I have stood by my gender and uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> declared mm -hmm. it uh, with my name. And all these years later, there's more more diversity in the field and more access to people who you know who didn't have a chance before and it's it's and I think to that point it's heartwarming to see on the other hand the collapse of the the big presses into just a few and the fact that um, it's just really hard for most for almost any writer to make a real living at, at this kind of a thing I mm -hmm. I find myself sympathizing with the current um, writer strike you know the tv industry <laughs> Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard as a writer to make a. a all we want is a middle class living. We're not like asking for billions. <laughs> yeah. And thank okay. you so much, Christine. Before Kathy reads the writing prompt, because she has come up with this, because our she's our science fi guru. Thank you so much, Christine, for being with us. It's just been wonderful. I appreciate oh, you taking the time. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for thanks for having me here. I'm really glad. I just only stumbled across your group a few months ago. I'm really glad <laughs> that uh, I found it. Good. What a terrific yeah. interview, and hopefully we'll be able to have you back again, maybe do a little workshop with you. That could be fun. I've done teaching yeah. before, so. Great. Mm -hmm. All right, so your writing prompt for 5-19, May 19th, two weeks from now, is in the middle of the night, a bright light and screeching sound filled my room as I focused my eyes as blurry as I could. I saw two large humanoid figures standing at the foot of my bed. What happened next? And that will be live on the website very shortly. That is your prompt, 100 words or less. Thanks, thank Kathy. you, everybody, for being with us for another amazing episode. Big thank you to Christine Amsden. Please visit her website at christineamsden.com. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-A-M-S-D-E-N.com. You'll be able to sign up for her newsletter and be able to learn more about her work there. Her books are available on Amazon and other book outlets as well, ebook, Audible, and hard copy as well. We hope that you've enjoyed and gained a lot through this episode today. Please visit our website at www.writingworkswonders.com for these show notes, previous episodes, other author interviews, and abundant resources. In two weeks, our next episode will be an open mic on May 19th. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. 
Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.